Welcome to Living Social Justice Podcast, an initiative of Common Ground Church and Common Good, where we explore our lifestyle response to topics of social justice. Our hope is that a growing number of Christ followers begin to individually and collectively live out justice, creating a groundswell of positive change in our society. Welcome to the Living Social Justice podcast. And in this uh, big series of land, we're grappling with this topic of land in South Africa. And we have to be listening to the stories of people who have been affected by this. You know, it's so easy to get caught up in political statements, economics, legal arguments, and statistics. But the big idea of this podcast series is to help us listen to people in our midst. We want to hear the heart of this matter and allow it to shape our response. Now, we can't interview every person, and we know that every story and every situation is unique. So we're not trying to summarize every story or generalize from one story to others. Instead, we're simply listening, learning, and engaging. So welcome to the Living Social Justice podcast series on land. And in our studio today, we have Brandon Weber. Welcome, Brandon. Hi, Richard. Good to be here. Uh, our listeners might know you personally, they might not know you. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, and what keeps you busy during the week. Okay, so so I'm married to Chantal, and we have two daughters, um, Ashley and Shannon. Ash, uh, Shannon is 11 years old, and Ashley's eight. And yeah, that's uh, what Chantal is a theologian. I uh, am a program manager at Hope Africa with a background in science. I used to be at UCT. Um, so, yeah, the theologian and science scientist mix was interesting, but that season has, yeah, passed now. <laughs> I know you've been ministering in the church for a while. What kind of, uh, what kind of role do you have within the, co- uh, the congregation you're serving in? Mm. So, Chantal and I serve as um, an eldership couple in Bosch AM, and we head up the social justice ministry at Bosch AM. That's where we feel our hearts really resonate, you know, with that message of the social justice. And, um, yeah, apart from that, we also have um, an NGO, so our hearts are for youth, youth leadership empowerment. And, um, yeah, that's, that's what keeps us busy. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I've had the great joy of getting to know you and your wife and your family. And uh, uh, I remember you sharing some of your story while we ate a particularly spicy curry <laughs> in <laughs> Durban last year. Uh, and I thought of this when we were preparing for the series, um, hearing some of the stories you shared with me. Um, can you tell our listeners, where did you grow up? Uh, what was it like living there? And uh, share some of the stories of your childhood with us. Yeah, so that was very, that was an interesting conversation. Um, so I grew up in Weinberg, right, in the southern suburbs. I grew up in Weinberg. I was uh, born there, went to primary school and um, thinking about Weinberg my parents rented a a home in Weinberg and I remember um, uh, kind of playing with my friends in Weinberg in Kent Road and having this experience of like sometimes having to head over into Plumstead and having such a, a, a feeling of like I definitely don't belong here because this was a white area. I mean, mm. it, it was at the time. And just being so uncomfortable, feeling like there's going to be trouble if, I, if I'm ever found here. Yes. And actually what my friends used to do to play, like, you know, their pranks on me was to, we would walk into Plumstead 
and and now you know you needed to look out for dogs because every house had like these dogs and and like you knew you weren't you, you didn't belong there and then they would kind of when i wasn't looking double back and run away and then or one of us would leave someone there just knowing that you'd be like just so fearful and then have to find your way back yes. out of Plumstead. <laughs> so that was so weird, you know, growing up, growing up there. Um, I had a cousin at the time whose mother worked um, in someone's home in, in Plumstead. And on occasion, she would take us along with her to work. And I remember a smile when I think about this. We would go into this home with her and everything was different, you know, in Plumstead. Like it smelled different. Mm. The doves sounded different. <laughs> it just like was so weird because it was a, it was this like privileged white space for us. Mm. It was like that was huge, in the way that we perceived it, you know. And um, yeah, just going there was such an experience. And then and then when I was in Standard Five, Grade Seven, we moved to Strandfontein. Mm. So we moved away to Strandfontein. And yeah, that's where I did my matric and my parents then moved to Bloemfontein. And yeah, that was, uh, so, so Strandfontein is, is quite close to Mitchell's Plain. So that was a very different environment growing mm, up, mm. you know, there. And yeah, that's where I did my high school. And, and when my parents left, I continued to stay because I was studying at UCT. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, so I remember um, in in Strandfontein, we used to belong to a church called, um, so it was a small little church in Mitchell's Plain, and and we had this ministry called Edge Ministries. So mm. I headed up this ministry because we felt that, so I had been away on a mission trip to Lesotho, mm. and coming back, I felt like, you know, I can't be a witness far away from home if I'm not a witness at home. Yes. Do you, you, you mm, get mm. that? And so, and so what happened was three of us, three of, uh, two of my friends and I, we decided we need to pray and ask God where we need to be active. And we started, uh, we ended up having a soup kitchen in a, a township called Samora. Yes. And we had a few young people with us, young adults, and we started this ministry called Edge Ministries. And the reason we called it Edge Ministries, so this was... A it's interesting when I think about it now, was because like way back in history where, when people still thought the earth was flat, yes. they felt they could go to the edge and there was a danger of falling off the yes. edge of the earth. Mm. And for us, going into a township felt like we were on the edge. Wow. <laughs> because wow. no one would ever venture there. Yes. And so here we are, we're on the edge. And, but amazing things happened in Samora Mashal. Mm. For about five years... I mean, God just, wow, opened our eyes, gave us new experiences. It was amazing. Yes. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Hey? I, I remember also in, in the 1980s, my, my dad uh, used to work in Ottery. And we'd come from having grown up in Constantia. We'd go down uh, Weinberg Main Road and then under the bridge and then go along South Road to head, to, to head onto Ottery Road. Oh. And I remember even then as a young person, not understanding the laws that was going on, but I knew on the one side of the road, it was what I felt safe for me. And on the other side of South Road, what felt unsafe for me, That's whether it was stated, it, I don't remember it ever being stated explicitly, 
But I find it fascinating in your story, it's, it's the other way around. On the one side of South oh, Road, yeah. you felt safe. On the other side, you felt unsafe. Definitely. And, you know, in many ways, we look at how apartheid spatial planning mm. entrenched that in our, in our hearts and minds. Um, but I, I want to ask you another question. When you kind of, uh, when you're living in Strandfontein and, and you're going to university and you would head down the M5 or maybe down Main Road or maybe you're catching a train through those areas where you grew up and the laws had changed by then. And, and what was going, what goes through your heart when you go through those, those areas, whether it's Plumstead or Witzebuma or Weinberg, mm. in, in your memories of what was happening? What, what, what would go on inside your heart? Sure. So, so at the time, like when I was growing up in Weinberg and South Road was literally the boundary. So just mm. that one road mm. was the boundary between where you felt you belonged and where you felt you were in danger or you didn't belong. Mm. Um, and as you say, the other boundaries that you encounter, like the, the highways and the train lines, mm. and there was a growing sense of, like, I think when I was younger, we were definitely not a political family. I don't ever uh, remember my parents stating anything really, like, political, with any political insight, if, if I want to put it that way. Mm. But, but, you know, we were taught to kind of almost like value or, or esteem some people better and wow. others less so mm. to kind of position yourself so there was a definite positioning of yourself yes and and i mean after having spent time in samora um i must say that the disparities definitely start to come crashing in on your heart and your mind because mm. you start to think that I mean, I even had to be very critical of myself, um, asking myself why, at the time, when I was still studying at university, why did I feel very comfortable in the presence of, like, someone going into the township, mm. but when I came into, like, UCT or a white space, why did I feel like I needed to be on my, you know, I, mm. I definitely didn't feel the freedom yes. and the strength of relationship. It was more like trying to measure up to something. Yes. So, so there, disparities obviously are, are magnified, and you feel like something's not right here. Yeah. 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 That Fascinating. Was the, yeah, yeah. That was the sense. And, and so you and Chantal were living in Strandfontein. Where mm. are you staying now? Track, track some of that part yeah, of your story. Yeah. So. So here we living in Strandfontein, attending a church in Mitchell's Plain in Eastridge. And very kind of, it was a colored church, mm -hmm. right? It was very monocultural, even, so, so here's something. So, so belonging to this church in Mitchell's Plain and us moving out to Samora, Michelle, mm. to do ministry as young people and then almost calling on the church to assist us because it had become quite a bit of like people were wanting church now yes it was almost like a church planting situation if i think back on it mm. because we ended we did end up having sunday services to a certain extent with a small group of people but but when we called on our church in Mitchell's Plain to kind of assist us we were kind of um almost uh, put on hold Wow. To put it <laughs> kindly, um, to put on hold and always told, yeah, don't don't worry, we'll discuss it, we'll discuss it, and that never materialized. Mm. And um, so, so that disparity, you know, the the hesitance of the church uh, or reluctance of the church in Mitchell's Plain to want to cross that boundary, sure. 
was quite a challenge for mm. me to understand. Well, I could understand it on one hand, but, but from a spiritual perspective, I couldn't understand why you wouldn't cross the boundary for the sake of the gospel. Yes. Um, then now, growing up there, and, you know, I never thought, it's, it's a strange thing, because whenever I used to drive from Strandfontein through Grassy Park and then Plumstead, I would always admire these houses in Plumstead mm. with trees and the properties just seem so spacious you know in Strandfontein we were like jam-packed yes it, it was great because of the sense of community in the neighborhood mm. that was really good but but we were kind of like right on top of each other I never thought that I would even own a house in a place like Plumstead it's sure. weird mm. um, but Chantal didn't seem to have any of these kind of <laughs> barriers <laughs> in her mind. So, so when we were looking for educational opportunities for our daughters, because we, th we knew at some point we're going to have to apply for a school, mm. and we didn't want them to, ex to have to go to school in the Mitchell's Plain area, sure. just for quality of education, mm. we then very, like, we had the sense that we needed to move out and find a place yes. for our daughters to, and we also wanted them just to have the space, just m like safer, more spacious environment yes. with access, with access to good schools. Wow. And so that was our, our driver. Yes. And so still when I drive down Southfield Road, you know, the trees, the tall mm. trees uh, that line Southfield Road, I'm still like, wow, I'm just so grateful. And I'm thinking, wow, Lord, I never thought that I would live here, you know. Yes. And but here I am. And so I'm, I'm just so thankful. Mm. And I'm so thankful that like my family can can live in a place like this. Yeah, mm. it's beautiful. Hey? Yeah. And so you, how close are you to the house that you grew up in in Weinberg? So, yes, I mean, like probably a kilometer at most if i think about it yes but now my thinking around that boundary it's just such a strange thought now yes. like you know now i'm i'm living in plumstead and while i don't have the sense of community as much as maybe we had in strandfontein mm. but you know i mean this is my home now i live there and yes. so i but but if i drive into weinberg Wow, it's quite a stark difference just crossing South yes. South Road. Um, but here we are. And yeah, we're just thankful. Wow. Yeah. And, and what was your family's um, experience uh, or response to you moving to an area that was historically forbidden? Sure. Uh, wh sure. What was their response? Yeah. So, so my parents, um, we rented all the time that we lived in Weinberg. Mm. So we lived in Ross Road, Weinberg, in a little room at the back. But we were a family of five, right? So wow. that was really squashed. Mm. Uh, it was literally just a one-room kind of uh, place with the bathroom and facilities. But then we moved to a slightly bigger house in in Kent Road, and and I remember um, that wasn't our house. We were renting that. And then when we could afford ours, when my parents could afford ours, they mm. were in their 40s. Mm. And, and we needed to move to Strandfontein because that's where they could afford it. Mm. And so when we moved into Plumstead and my mother came to visit, I mean, that was probably the, the biggest kind of uh, response that we got um, from anyone. It's like she just burst into tears. Wow. She couldn't believe that 
we could live there. Because mm. remember, like our family members could uh, only really went into places like Plumstead to work for someone in their mm. house, like a like a, a char or like someone who cleans the house, or mm. you know that kind of thing. Like that was right. that's what your mind told you, like. You and here we were, we bought this place in, in, in Plumstead and my mother just couldn't contain it. She just burst into tears. Wow. And she, yeah. It was quite an emotional moment. Yes. <laughs> yeah, if I think about it. Um, but once again, you know, we're just so thankful to God that we are able to, that he's made it possible for us to do that. Yes. Yeah. And what do you, so your parents' generation are experiencing this shift. How would you see your daughter's uh, and their experience of living in Plumstead, and what is your hope for them for the future? Mm. So, so for my daughters, so I told you that we were very. So, so both Chantal and I, being university trained and being qualified, we we value education. Mm. And so, for our girls, I felt very strongly that I wanted to give them the best education that I could afford. Yes. And I think it is a response to the way that we grew up um, because I know that education is going to give them opportunities. Mm. And so I want them to have those opportunities. I don't want them to be victims of uh, like a, a past system. Mm. So, so here we are and we're looking for good schools and we find they go to school at Weinberg Girls yes. and, and, and they love it, you know. And what I like about that situation is that they 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 are mixing with different like um, girls of different race um, you know and 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 it's the most natural thing for them yes and and I just love that because they don't see any difference mm. um, and I'm very careful not to speak negatively racially because gotcha. I just, just don't feel like I, you know I don't want to saddle them with any of that baggage of right. our past and I cringe sometimes we have friends who come into our home and they start to talk like that mm. and I'm very like you know I almost try and divert the conversation or I tell them very directly like you know that's not yes. you know, the way we speak because I don't want my girls to get any of that so when gotcha. Shannon goes to visit her friend in Seapoint and or else we go and visit our friends in Mitchell's Plain yes. I wanted to know that these are our friends mm irrespective of where they live yes and 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 they need to be comfortable there yeah and so Chantal also has f like <laughs> quite a diverse uh, group of people that she interacts with coming from Stellenbosch University mm. and visiting students from Africa and Nigeria mm. and Kenya and so when we invited to their homes I just smiled to myself because the moment we get there the girls just kind of go running off yes and there's no sense of being unsafe or feeling like this is different yes and i just love that you know yes and and that's how i want them to grow up mm. just appreciating people with whom they have relationship yes. for the people that they are right yeah. in so many ways we have so much to learn from our children and uh, how they build relationship definitely. and and just you know sure. you know similar age and okay we'll we'll be friends because exactly <laughs> yeah. the, the, these other barriers that too often we put in place mm. the kids just don't seem to see and uh, it's a beautiful thing see. 
Um, one of the things that's changed recently in your life is your morning commute would go from Plumstead up to UCT. Uh, and then recently, just a few months ago, you're no longer heading towards the mountain and through the leafy suburbs, but heading in the opposite direction towards Philippi. Sure. Um, what has changed in your heart and mind and how has that uh, impacted you traveling towards Hope Africa Collective uh, every morning? Mm. So definitely a different commute in the morning. So one thing I don't miss traveling to UCT is the the train ride in being <laughs> yes. squashed <laughs> being squashed in the train and wondering when the train's going to arrive but i used to love walking up from Rondebosch station mm. it was just wow i just those were my times to just kind of process think and pray and like i mean that's literally what i would do you know it was like a 20 minute walk from Rondebosch station up to upper mm, campus and mm. I loved it it's just like the trees and the you know the Rondebosch yes. environment just and then coming onto campus and just feeling the sense of like wow I'm so thankful and grateful that I get to actually work here mm. you know, people pay me to be yes <laughs> so I mean that was I, I know that was a privilege for me to be there and I really love that but now I don't have the train commute for which I'm grateful, but I jump in my car and mm. I drive in a very different direction. I drive away from the mountain mm. and I drive to the eastern suburbs, right? I drive to Philippi and wow, what a difference, Richard. Mm. I mean, now there's no tree-lined streets yes. with birds singing sweetly in the mm. trees, you know. Now I drive from Plumstead and I drive towards Mitchell's Plain through the Philippi farms and which is quite beautiful by mm, the way the mm. Philippi farms are really beautiful but then you come into Mitchell's Plain and you get that sense of crowded housing yes and then when I head on to the R300 and I drive between Mitchell's Plain and Samora Michelle uh, Philippi area yes I mean just the stark difference in housing you know yes I mean it's it's really quite a challenge just to comprehend that people are expected to live yes. in that situation mm. and now with winter water like large dams of water just like pools mm. pools yeah. um you know in in the townships and i think wow this is so unhealthy mm. and the kids are playing there and yeah. it's like stinking and i'm so but what what is a good feeling going into hope africa is just that because i the 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 mission of hope africa collective resonates so strongly with me and i yes. feel in many ways god has brought me full circle you know from those mm. early days of being at the edge yes. <laughs> in edge <laughs> ministries in samora michelle and then going away being in this really privileged environment mm. at uct and then finding myself back in philippi yeah I do have the sense of like, you no, know, God has his hand on this. He's yeah. brought me back. He's it's beautiful. Back. Yeah. I, I remember um, in the type of work that you and I both do in the NGO sector, it takes you to all different parts and corners of the city. And I remember for a while uh, not telling my parents where I was going during the day. <laughs> 
because it would worry them. Sure. Because for, for decades, uh, what was told to them and then what was passed down to me was these areas are dangerous. And all that you'd see on the news is bad news coming out of those mm. areas, that there was mm. nothing beautiful. Uh, there was only danger and only uh, pain in those areas. And so I'd keep secrets from my parents about which areas I was going into. Um, but I think what shifted in my heart is that when you see people not just areas when Definitely, you see yes. when you have relationships mm. when you know people's stories when you're in really their homes good. something shifts in your heart uh, you know that that it's not about oh this is a dangerous area and i'd be driving through and go past mannenberg and you'd go oh all of those stories of mannenberg suddenly take a new shape when you know someone who lives yes in a mannenberg for example uh, what's it been like building relationships with people in philippi uh, who work at hope africa alongside you so, so relationships are just so powerful, and for me, I'm I'm a relational. Like strangely, God has called that out of me, that relational mm, kind mm. of element, and I feel like I just need to connect with people. So, just starting at Hope Africa Collective, I felt my first goal was just to connect with the the staff, you know, yes. that who live in Philippi. Yeah, and and it's just been amazing. Like, you know, just getting to know these guys. And as you say, once you get to know somebody, yes. you start to build relationship with them. Mm. And then and then the differences disappear. Although, yeah. like by now, I think God has taken a lot of that perception or preconception mm. away from me. And so I can engage yes. um, at a personal level. And I've just built such great relationships. But I think what challenges me, Richard, is now... Now, it's winter, right? And so it rains and it's cold. Mm. And and I serve with these guys at Hope Africa Collective and we serve side by side. And I see my goal there as like kind of serving these staff members. And But when we go home, like I'm challenged by the fact that I go home and I can make a fire in a fireplace and yes. my, my home can be warm. And they have to go home and I give them lifts home when it's raining and things like that. Mm. But, and, and quite a few of them live in like, like Philippi in those, sh like the shacks, basically. Mm. Some of them still live in the shacks, not even the RDP homes. Mm. And, and when it rains, one of my friends there now, one of the staff members, the, like when it was raining so, so badly about two weeks ago, he had it rained into his, into his place mm. where he was living. Mm. So it was wet where he was sleeping, you know, on the ground and the electricity cut out. Yes. So on the night that I was at home, relaxing with my family, enjoying a nice fire um, and, and all that that entails, and he was like shivering in the dark. Yes. And I sure. think that, yeah, that, that disparity really bugs me. And so mm. I'm seeing the disparity so much like feeling it so much more keenly now and mm. just thinking, oh, Lord, what what can be done about this? You know? Yes. Mm. Mm. And on, on a day like today when we're recording this podcast, another big cold front has hit Cape Town. It's exactly. very cold. Yes. There's rain, there's wind, there's everywhere. And, and we know those headlines are going to be coming of X number of people displaced by the rain. And uh, this is a land issue. This is where, where people Definitely. get to live, where people are able to live, where people are, are able to afford to live. Mm -hmm. and, and what I hear you saying is it takes on a whole different texture Completely. when it's a friend, when oh it's yeah. someone with whom you're oh yes. relating. Um, but it takes that, that conversation to know what someone's home life 
is, isn't it? That yes. part of this is having conversations and learning about people's lived experience, that it's not just assuming someone lives in a certain place in a certain way. Yes. So those conversations Definitely. are crucial. Uh, and part of this podcast series is helping us understand that there's, there's people we work alongside, we live alongside, we worship alongside yeah. that have stories that we're just simply unaware of. And so part of our challenge to you listening is that you speak to people, ask their stories, and if they're comfortable sharing it, uh, ask some more questions to learn mm. their history, their heritage. Um, and, and Brandon, you've shared a lot about how your faith has impacted your journey mm. as it relates mm. to where you live and uh, to use that, that language you used earlier, to f where you feel like you belong. Mm. Um, d dive into that in a little bit more detail for us. How has your faith shaped your response to this topic? Yes, so I mean, you know, the, I think... God is patient with us, Richard. Mm. I think God is very patient with us. And sometimes when I look back, I think, Lord, why did it take me so long to learn the things that I've learned? Mm. Um, but I think we all are on our own journeys, you know. Mm. And for me, God just slowly stretched my heart and my mind. Mm. Um, I think it's, I told you about that quote by Oliver Wendell Holmes that said, a, a mind exposed to a new experience mm. um, or stretched by a new experience will never return to its original dimensions. Mm. And I feel like that's what God has done. Yeah. And so as I've grown in my faith and understood what God has done for me, and I loved the... I loved, um, um, common grounds emphasis on the gospel being central mm. because it as it's as the gospel you you go deeper into what this gospel means as I went deeper into what this gospel means for me and I, I started to really appreciate what Jesus Christ has done for me and how that affects my life I have felt you know that that the way that I look at people, it's given me a totally different perspective. Yes. The way that I look at people, whether it's someone who lives in Pinelands, mm. a lot of our guys live in Pinelands, <laughs> or whether I, it's the way that I look at someone who lives in Philippi. Mm. I just see that here's someone that God loves, yeah. that God has invested with dignity, mm. and it's someone that I can relate to. Beautiful. And I mean, for me, there was a lot of feeling of initially when I was growing, when I was, I, I mean, I'm still growing, <laughs> but but earlier when, like there was a lot of feeling of inferiority, I must say. Mm. And I definitely felt inferior, but the word of God needed to come and minister to me that I'm a child of God. Yes. That you know that that first Peter two verse verse nine mm. onwards that says, But you are a chosen generation, mm. the people who belong to God. Yeah. And you once were not a people are now the people of God. And I think when I think about the power of that verse, it's yeah. it, it's a verse for the church. Sure. Mm. So that I feel that there's no hope. They cannot, I don't think there can be a hope for, for South Africa apart yes. from the message of the gospel. Wow. Because we who once were not a people have now been made the people of God. Yes. And I think in that there's so much hope and mm. there's so much that, that the word of God calls from us. So I think yeah. my faith has been like completely revolutionary in the yeah. way that I think and view people, in the way that I experience the spaces, yes. and the way that I experience, yeah, South Africa, and the way that I engage. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. That's, the, you know, King Jesus has something to say on this. 
Um, Most and, definitely. And this beautiful looking at what unity is within the body and between brothers and sisters. And you mentioned uh, a sense of inferiority that God has to yeah. work in your heart. And I realize I need to keep repenting of my sense of superiority. Sure. That there's no one that I ever come toe to toe with that deserves to live uh, in a tin shack mm. Um, mm. and experience the weather like that. No one exactly. ever deserves that. Just like I don't deserve to live mm. in, in a warm home with a fireplace. Yeah. You know, it's God's grace poured out on us. Yes. And we, we challenge to consider sure. how do we steward what we have? How do we redeem what mm. we have to be a blessing to others? Definitely. You know, to end this intergenerational poverty that we see in South Africa. Um, and I just love your hope in the gospel, your hope in the church. Yeah, what would you say to Christ followers who are listening? What, what could be their next step? Now, everyone listening, you're at different stages of the journey of understanding this and grappling mm. this and connecting faith to this topic. But help us understand, what would you say to people? What would, could be a next step for people listening? Yeah, you know, for me, for a long time, I felt in the past, I felt like I needed to measure up and be like someone. Um, be like a certain group but more and more the word of God is I mean I'm, I'm convinced now that I need to be me mm. so I'm Brandon I'm a colored guy who lives in South Africa and and I need to be who I am and then you need to be Richard who you are mm. and but it's as we come together yes in the hope of the gospel mm. that that makes such a rich diversity yes and so and the and, and what needs to, how that can come about is that we need to, I, I feel like we need to be intentional. Mm. The gospel calls us to intentional living. Yes. We need to be intentional about moving toward each other. It's never going to feel completely comfortable. Mm. But it's going to be so rewarding once those relationships yeah. are built. I mean, you can attest mm. to that, right? So once you are intentional and you move towards and just feel uncomfortable, allow yourself actually to feel that discomfort. Yes. It's valuable. <laughs> mm. It's valuable. Um, but, but when the relationship is built, that discomfort almost is removed. Mm. And all you have is this relationship. And I think that relationship is so powerful. And, and I feel like the way that you get to build those relationships is by is by sharing stories and listening to stories and yes. being and sharing your story. Don't mm. be shy to share your story. Beautiful. Be you. Your story mm. is your story and my story is my story. Um, but the more we share it and the more we hear, the more that God binds our hearts together mm. because what we have in common is, is so much more than what divides us, you know? Ah, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Brandon, I've so enjoyed hearing your story today and again, hearing it for, for the second time. So appreciate your time to join us. Yeah, and again, to all our listeners, you've heard the challenge. Be intentional. Meet with people, ask them their story uh, so that you can learn, that you can have empathy. That's a brother or sister in Christ. You can relate to them like a brother or a sister, not as an acquaintance who mm. lives on the other side of the city. Yeah. That we can say in Christ we are one and that we have unity, not uniformity. We have unity exactly. under Christ for the peace, of the peace, the message of peace that he has preached to us, both those who are far and those who are near. Thank you for listening today. Uh, let us know your feedback. What do you think of this podcast? What do you think of these stories? Engage with the topic and if you have a story to share be sure to let the common good team know that we can interview and share and help people lean in and engage with this big topic of land thanks for listening and god bless thank you if you've enjoyed this episode subscribe to our channel living social justice on apple podcast and soundcloud you can also find more resources on our website commongood.org.za including our justice journey
devotional content and volunteer opportunities. Bye for now.